minus 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4. We've gone for main engine start. We have main engine start. Ladies and gentlemen, rock and roll. It is Sunday, August 1st, 2021, and this is another episode of Pink is the New Podcast. And if you're listening out there, welcome. Uh, I know it's been a very long time since I published a podcast episode to Pink is the New Podcast, but if you follow me on social media or anywhere, uh, you might be aware of the fact that I have been otherwise podcast employed for the past couple of months. Um, I have been co-hosting uh, an official Roddenberry podcast, an official Star Trek podcast uh, with uh, actress Rachel True. She and I are co-hosting a podcast called Quoting Gene Roddenberry. That is a 100-day daily podcast in celebration of the 100th birthday of Gene Roddenberry, the creator of Star Trek, who would have been 100 years old this year on August 19th, 2021. So that's kind of what I've been doing podcast-wise for the past couple of months, if you weren't aware. Um and if you're curious, you can find Quoting Gene Roddenberry on any of the social media platforms. Uh, it's been one of the more fun things that I've done in my professional career, and I hope you check it out. Uh, you may also be aware that uh, for the past year or two, I have been publishing a music podcast called uh, Spooky Electric which is devoted solely to music and my love of it. And uh, that's been a lot of fun. But uh, Pink is a New Podcast took a backseat to Spooky Electric, and then Spooky Electric took a backseat to Quoting Gene Roddenberry. But the uh, Quoting Gene Roddenberry podcast will be over soon, and I'm trying to figure out where my podcasting future is going to be. So that's a conversation for another day. Today, um, because uh, it is August 1st, 2021, I was inspired to put on my headphones, dig out my microphone, and record a podcast episode in celebration of the 40th anniversary of the launch of MTV Music Television. MTV launched 40 years ago today at 12.01 Eastern Standard Time AM, uh, and the world was forever changed, and uh, it was really one of the watershed moments of my life, because who I am today uh, is due in large part to the influence that MTV has had on me since I've first laid eyes on the wonderful network that so long ago now has abandoned the music part of its being. The music television part of it is no longer. Now it is, you know, 
reality TV and docu-series and, and that kind of thing. But once upon a time, and in, from the very beginning, MTV was uh, a solely music-centric cable network. And uh, because today is the 40th anniversary of its launch, I felt compelled to talk about it. And because... Um, uh, because Pink is the new podcast is really kind of like uh, an evolved form of my blog, Pink is the New Blog, which was devoted solely to pop culture and my love of it. I thought that uh, Pink is a New Podcast would be a great place for me to record an episode, put it out into the world, and uh, let me have my say. So, all right, let's get to it. Uh, MTV turns 40. OMG. <laughs> uh, my first memories of MTV were from watching the cable channel at the uh, at the next door neighbors uh, when I grew up. So my parents are much older and we didn't get cable television until the late 80s. Uh, and MTV launched in 1981. And I don't even remember if the kids next door, Adam and Monica and their parents uh, had had cable from the very beginning or if they had MTV from the very beginning, but they definitely had cable in the early to mid eighties. And I remember loving going over to their house to play. We would listen to uh, 45 vinyl, 40, 45 inch, seven inch vinyl records uh in monica's bedroom i would play uh legos and he-man and transformers with adam in his room in their basement uh, i also played my first at home video games in their home they had in television and they also had cable so uh, that's where i got my first taste of mtv was at their home and um it's kind of hard for people who don't remember what MTV was like. Even even through the 80s and 90s, MTV had a culture of you kind of just turned it on. So in the 80s, MTV was pretty much the radio. And the radio was where everybody learned about music, heard their favorite songs, learned about new artists, um, and the radio was, you know, various stations playing different genres. And then MTV launched and it was like uh, one big radio station that played nothing but music videos. And in the beginning, for the first few years, there were no game shows. There were no talk shows. There were no, uh, I don't even know if there were countdown shows. I think it was just 24 hours a day, 24 hours a day of music videos with VJs chiming in you know, at various times to announce news or, or to talk about the videos or to interview the artists. So it was pretty much like a radio station. Um, and music videos, once MTV launched and became popular, was like the thing to talk about with your friends. Um, so like as a kid, a uh, kid in the 80s, like I remember watching cartoons and sugary breakfast cereals and playing with toys. But as I became a young teenager, uh, that's when music became important to me. And that's when my focus shifted from playing with toys to focusing on more grown up things like music and music videos. 
Um, and it is without exaggeration uh, for me to say that MTV is is the thing that is most responsible for my music education and knowledge. Uh, kids today have YouTube, streaming services, and the massive infiniteness of the internet. Uh, and for me and for uh, other Gen Xers of, of my age group, uh, it was MTV. And at that point, to a lesser extent, radio. I mean, radio was still really, really big. All the way through the 90s, radio uh, was still something that people listened to often. I mean, in your car, that's what you listen to. But MTV was like, if you're home uh, and the TV's on, it's MTV. If you weren't watching Dynasty or Growing Pains or Different Strokes or whatever the TV shows were in the 80s, you had MTV on in the background and it was just like the radio. Um, so, you know, I credit a lot of of things for my music education. I had my older sister uh, introduced me to some music. I had old older cousins uh, who introduced me to music obviously my friends recommending things but mtv was really the place where at least i learned about music about what i liked what i didn't like um it's really hard to again if you weren't there and you don't remember it's really hard to describe the impact of what music videos were for you know at least me and my generation, but I think pretty much anyone who watched MTV and music videos in general. Um, it was just like everything. If you think about what's really amazing about YouTube and social media and, um, you know, FaceTiming and texting with your friends, if you if you wrap all of that up into one thing, into loving one thing, it was like MTV. And, and, and I know it might sound weird to you if you don't remember what it was like, but that's really, really what it was like. Um, in the 80s, MTV was just like anything goes, whatever was playing, whenever you happen to be watching, that's kind of what you're into. So that's how I got into thing, uh, bands like Journey. Um, you know, when, when I would watch uh, like alternative alternative nation or 120 minutes and like rem and love and rockets like bands that i would never necessarily have heard on the radio um or bands that i didn't necessarily have older people to introduce me to mtv was there to introduce that to me so kind of like the radio you just had it on and you never knew what was coming up sure the vjs might say you know oh coming up is going to be a blah 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 but it pretty much was like a free-for-all um in the 90s, MTV became more curated. Uh, it was more specialized shows, countdowns, video blocks by genre, live performances in studio or on the road. Um, it's where I learned about a lot of my favorite new artists. Like I remember uh, seeing Alanis Morissette on MTV in, in the studio, just, you know, being interviewed. I remember Tori Amos, Liz Fair, Veruca Salt. Um, all these new artists who were new to me or who were, were up and coming and they would go to MTV to do interviews or do live performances. And it really was, again, like what, what kids today or younger people today really look to YouTube and the internet and streaming services for, all of that was combined into one place, one location, and that was MTV. Um, I remember that 
video music premieres were huge. Like if if uh, an artist was releasing a music video, Madonna, for example, it'd be like a world premiere video ex uh, extravaganza. And it would be at nine o'clock in the morning and then at 12 noon and then at 3 p.m. and then 6 p.m. and then 9 p.m. And you knew, okay, it's coming out on this day and you need to be at home at your TV at, you know, nine in the morning, 12 in the afternoon, three in the afternoon, six in the evening, or 9 p.m., nine in the night to check out the video. Of course, they would play it again and again, but when you you would, you would always knew when, MT, when a video was premiering on MTV and it was like appointment television. Things are kind of like that now, like things do get premiered. Um, artists will, will say they're dropping a new video on Friday and it's going to be like on YouTube and all of that. But it's it's I just it's this very different experience when um, it's really wonderful to have like the internet in the palm of your hand and any number of countless infinite music videos and songs to stream and play whenever you want uh, on your phone or on your computer or on your TV even. But that wasn't the culture pre-internet. The culture was you had to tune into something. You had to tune into the radio or tune into MTV. And there was a specialness about everyone who wanted to watch that Madonna music video premiere. We were all watching the same channel all around the country and even all around the world at the same time. And it, it was just a very different special time. Um, I remember in the late 90s, um, there was a Foo Fighters music video for Monkey Wrench, and it was being uh, world premiered on a particular day. And that was a day that I stayed home with my college roommate, Mike, and we were um, experimenting with substances. And the thing I remember most about that day was just watching MTV. I just had MTV on, and I was like staring at the TV, just marveling at it. And the Monkey Wrench music video just kept playing over and over and over again. I'm certain it only played like three or four times over the entire 12-hour period that I was staring at MTV. But because I was, you know, in a happy place, it just felt like the colors. I remember the reds in that video and, and Dave Grohl like being really close to the camera. And it's just... Like these are these are these are memories that are kind of like seared into my memory, and when I think about wow, MTV is forty years old, and I think back of all these memories, that's one of the things that uh, sticks out in my mind. Uh, and then one last big thing, like the MTV Video Music Awards, um, was a big deal when MTV started doing their annual music video awards show. Uh, it was like you talk about appointment television, everybody tuned in to watch. Um, in, in the late 80s, early 90s, I remember the music video awards aired on the first Thursday after Labor Day. And schools, public schools went back to school after Labor Day, like the day after Labor Day. So we were all in school when the Video Music Awards would air on that Thursday night, that first Thursday night after school started. And then everybody uh, would stay home to watch on Thursday night and then would talk about it the next day. So even as I became a teacher, so even as I taught um, high school when I was in grad school, 
M- the MTV Video Music Awards uh, schedule was that first Thursday after Labor Day. So, you know, the kids the next day at school will be talking about it and I'd be like, yeah, I watched it too. And it was just something that was just appointment television. When you think about what appointment television was, it was the MTV Video Music Awards. That's why it always made me so sad to see what the Video Music Awards became in in recent years, in the last 10 to 15 years, honestly. Um, It just isn't what it used to be. And I guess, you know, all good things come to an end. And that could be said even about MTV in general. Um, What really bummed me out uh, this year about celebrating the anniversary of the launch of MTV is that in previous years, on previous anniversaries, I remember the 25th anniversary in particular, and maybe even the 30th anniversary, MTV would broadcast uh, the first hour or so of programming that they aired when MTV launched on August 1st, 1981. So the little intro that I played before this podcast episode of the countdown and the announcement, ladies and gentlemen, rock and roll. Like that was how MTV launched in 1981. And MTV or MTV2 or one of their other networks would rebroadcast the first hour or so, or maybe the first 10 videos that they played in the beginning and kind of like celebration of the anniversary of the launch of MTV. And this year, inexplicably, I I can't explain it. MTV did not do that. Like I remember, oh, like checking on, you know, the the schedule, like what's coming up. I'm like, I was actually looking forward to uh, watching MTV and being reminded of how MTV launched and nothing. All all MTV is airing today uh, are reruns of ridiculousness, which is not one of their best shows, to be honest. I'm not a fan, so that was very disappointing. And MTV is air- MTV Two is airing reruns of Key and Peele, which wasn't even an MTV show to start with. I think that's a Nickelodeon show that the parent company Viacom also owns, and they're just they're just showing reruns of shows that have nothing to do with music on the 40th anniversary of the launch of music television, one of the greatest achievements in pop culture history, which is very, very disappointing. So I kind of have to say it's insulting to fans. It's insulting to me and to the legacy of one of, you know, the greatest things about pop culture of the 80s, 90s, 2000s. It's just, it's just sad. Um, so I went looking for stuff to watch on MTV and there's nothing. Uh, then I logged on to Paramount Plus, the, the CBS Viacom streaming service, and they have a spattering of nostalgic programming, but nothing that's really fantastic, nothing really music related except for Unplugged, which granted is one of their greatest shows ever. And it's my understanding that MTV is planning to relaunch some of their greatest shows. I believe they're going to be producing new episodes of Unplugged. I know that they're producing new episodes of Cribs, which was a a cool show, but not really music related. Um, And uh, so to sate my my thirst for nostalgia today, I ended up watching uh, pretty much the whole first season of Laguna Beach, The Real O.C., which was a reality show that launched on MTV in like the early 2000s. I want to say like 2002 or 2003, maybe. Um, 
that for me is still something nostalgic and fun to watch, even though it's a little cringe and it's still, it's very much high school. And I'm like, Oh, I can't believe I used to love and watch this show back in the early two thousands as a grown adult, but you know, watching it now. Yeah. It's a little cringe and it's just like, Oh, you know, when Kristen does her line, Oh, my car is donezo. Like donezo was such a big word for me and was something that I adopted all through my career blogging on pink is a new blog. So, I mean, I have a lot of fond memories about uh, Laguna beach in particular and the Hills and, and that kind of time period of MTV. Um, but, uh, the sad truth is that era of MTV was really where it started to all fall apart. TRL was one of the last gasps that MTV really, really had of focusing on music and music videos, but then it became all reality TV, Laguna Beach, the Hills, Jersey Shore, and all of that kind of stuff. And that was pretty much... Uh, the beginning of the end of what the greatness of, of MTV used to be. So I don't really want to, you know, ramble on for uh, an, an extended period of time about, you know, every single thing about MTV, because honestly, I could. Um, because if, if any of you are familiar with me in any podcasting forum, you know I love to talk and these things can go kind of long. But um, I do want to talk about uh, a few more things and then I'll uh, wrap this up. But um, yeah, I, I would be, it would be remiss if I didn't talk about uh, some of the music videos that made a huge impact on me. And uh, MTV introducing those music videos to me are integral to uh, the, the, the music fan that I am and the person that I am today. So, you know, just off the top of my head, videos like Like a Virgin from Madonna. I distinctly remember when that video premiered at MTV and it was just like Madonna was like the greatest thing. I loved her more than Michael Jackson. At that point, I loved her more than Prince. And uh, she was just everything. And uh, when the Like a Virgin music video came out, the lead single from her second album, Like a Virgin, it was the start of truly uh, a lifelong fandom for me. So Like a Virgin by Madonna, one of those integral music videos for me. Dear Prudence by Susie and the Banshees which also came out around the time that Like a Virgin came out. I distinctly remember seeing Susie and the, and the Banshees for the first time and hearing them for the first time ever. And it was this music video, which was my introduction to them, you know, of, of anything. And I was just like, wow. I was like a kid. And I saw this cool looking band and this lead singing woman who had like the, the really heavy eye makeup and I remember her unshaved armpits. And it just was like, what the fuck is this? I was like, what is this? And I was intrigued. And uh, fortunately, um, Susie and the Banshees was, was a band that was very, very, um, 
they put out like a lot of really great stuff in the 80s and they always reminded me that they were there that they were there even when i was obsessed with like madonna and prince and all the pop music Susie the banshees was there reminding me up oh, here's here's a video for cities and dust up oh, here's a video for peekaboo up oh, here's a video for kiss them for me and i finally started paying attention and Susie and the banshees are now absolutely one of my favorite bands of all time and it all started with that music video for Dear Prudence, the Beatles cover that I saw on MTV. Uh, music videos like Money for Nothing by Dire Straits, Thriller by Michael Jackson. These are music videos that were like, uh, well, Dire Straits for one, the first time I saw like computer animation and that blew my mind. And then Thriller was like a mini horror movie that blew my mind. And then in the late eighties when, uh, Paula Abdul's career, her first music video for Straight Up was like, wow, like, I love you. And then Forever Your Girl was like a great follow up. But then her music video for Cold Hearted, which is based on uh, on a Bob Fosse, it's based on Bob Fosse-esque uh, choreography. And it's very sexy. And I just remember seeing it for the first time. And it's not even super sexy and it's definitely not explicit but it's presented in a way that makes it look taboo and sexual and it just blew my mind i remember my 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 parents were horrified what is this what is this trash it's so sex blah turn that off they were horrified and i was like wow anything that would make older people repulsed by how um how sexy it was like that was something that was appealing to me so so those were those are like music videos off the top of my head that um really made an impact and then obviously i could go on and on the first time that i saw uh, nine inch nails music video like down in it that was a watershed moment for me um of course the first time uh i saw baby one more time that was a watershed moment for me too by britney spears so those were the music videos that really made an impact on me. Um, as much as I lament the fact that MTV changed from being all about music to being all about like TV shows, uh, for the first 20 years of its existence, MTV really did produce television programs that weren't necessarily music centric. Some of them were, and I will mention that, but some of them weren't and they were, very, very important shows for me as well. So for example, shows like 120 Minutes and Alternative Nation, those were music-centric shows that showed me what I was missing by being so obsessed and in love with pop music. I learned about college radio. I learned about alternative music. I learned about bands that I never knew existed and I never would have learned existed because they weren't being played on top 40 radio. And, you know, uh, you're not going to go into a store and randomly pick up an album and be like, oh, this might be great. I mean, maybe you would, but it, it's without curation, I would have missed out on so many things. And shows like 120 Minutes and Alternative Nation were shows curated of the best of alternative music and uh, really, really helped me um, hone what my music tastes would become. Shows like Liquid Television and The Idiot Box were shows that focused on animation and comedy 
and uh, really, really great programming that was like, whoa, cartoons can be more than just like the Smurfs and more than just like He-Man. They can be thought-provoking and artistic and cutting edge and really, really cool stuff that, you know, I would have never been exposed to if MTV hadn't um, shown it. Um, Shows like Unplugged, you know, Unplugged, which I mentioned earlier, MTV is planning on relaunching with new artists doing acoustic live performances in a concert setting. Uh, I mean, there are so many Unplugged uh, specials that I could talk about, but... um, all of them, all of them. I, I loved them all. Even if I wasn't a fan of the artist or the genre, there's something in, intangible about watching a live performance and hearing that those songs acoustically that that really makes it special. And MTV's Unplugged absolutely honed in on that and struck absolute gold with that idea. The Real World, which uh, is, you know, called the unofficial... Um, start of reality television back in the beginning the real world used to be pretty much like a documentary and for me the first five to ten seasons were really really important television that um, taught me about myself about my generation about american pop culture about um politics, about AIDS awareness, about reproductive rights and women's rights and gay rights. And, you know, we look at what reality TV has become in the real housewives of whatever and how, you know, vapid and empty those shows have become. But in the beginning, the real world, which started at MTV, was anything but vapid. And, um, was really important television. And then again, I mentioned that Laguna Beach and the Hills were what MTV brought to, uh, you know, reality slash docu slash faux reality uh, to that platform in the early 2000s. And again, it was... um, really, really fun at the time. And I don't think that we realized it, or at least I know I didn't, but it was the end of what the greatness of MTV had always been. And now when I watch it, like I said, I rewatched the first season of Laguna Beach and I watch it and I, it, there's a mixture of nostalgia of like, oh, I remember that time and it was such a good time and fun time. But it's also bittersweet because it's like the end of, you know, what MTV was and everything that was so great about it. Um, you know, as a blogger and I blogged for, you know, 12 years, MTV was very good to me and my blog from pretty much the start. Uh, when my site started to get popular, uh, MTV and the people who worked at MTV would invite me to be on their shows. I was on their, you know, year-end wrap-up shows. I did it for E! and I also did it for VH1. But MTV was the network that reached out to me the most. Not because I was going to blog about them. I mean, I was blogging about them anyway. But it was my understanding that the people that worked at MTV who worked on those shows were a fan of my site 
and they liked what I was doing and they wanted to invite, then they knew that I was a fan of what they were doing and they wanted to invite me to visit uh, their sets and their, their studios or to be um, guests on their shows. Uh, MTV would invite me to their studios, both in New York and in LA. So on Broadway at 1515 Broadway and here in Los Angeles at their studios in Santa Monica. Um, one of my prized possessions is I have a photo strip that I took from the famous photo booth at the MTV studios at 1515 Broadway. So if you remember in the late nineties and early two thousands, whenever, um, any artist would show up at MTV, they would go to the photo booth, take, take photos, and then MTV kept those strips and they turned those into a book. Now I'm not in their book, but when I visited MTV in New York, uh the uh the mtv person who was hosting me she was like oh my god you have to take a picture in the photo booth and i got to keep the strip so i have the photo strip and i have photos of me in the photo booth with my digital camera and all of that so that's a really fun memory uh the director of trl in the uh, early 2000s was a fan of my blog and he would email me often and tell me how much he liked my site and he gave me pretty much an open invitation to attend any episode taping of TRL whenever I was in New York. So uh, whenever I was in New York, I would reach out and be like, hey, I'm going to be there. And he'd be like, oh, my God, two tickets. Just come on down. Um, that's where I met Madonna. For the first and only time, I met Madonna backstage at TRL and I got a photo with her. And it was because uh, the kind people at MTV were like, you have to come. You have to come. Madonna's going to be on. It'll probably be the last time she ever does TRL. And that was true. And uh, so that's a really fun memory. And then I also remember that I happened to be in New York. Um, I don't know if I was... I think I was still living in Detroit and I was just visiting LA or visiting New York. And it was the day that Nelly Furtado's promiscuous music video was world premiering. And uh, that was another episode of TRL that I was in the audience for. So, I mean, I was there for more, but those are the ones that just stick out in my mind. So love, love the people at MTV because they were so kind and so loving to me. Um, yeah. Like the, the employees, the publicity department, they would invite me to uh, have my own spot on the red carpet at the Video Music Awards and the MTV Movie Awards. I remember I met Robert Pattinson before he blew up, before he was in Twilight, on the red carpet at the MTV Movie Awards. That's a fun memory. And um, I was at the VMAs pretty much every year that I was blogging. Um, I got to go work the red carpet then i got to see the show inside and then i got to go to the after party uh the official after party and i went to the vmas here in la i went to the vmas when they were in las vegas i went to the vmas when they were in new york and i think the only uh time i did not go to the vmas uh, and it was out of state was, I think it was in Miami. And for whatever reason, I, I couldn't make that one. And so that one I didn't go to, but all the other ones while I was blogging, I went to. And while I lament that the video music awards of the two thousands were not as epic as they were in the nineties and the eighties. Um, I will say that it's a different experience when you're there than when you watch it on TV at home. So when you're there, there's free food and free drink and it's just a party 
it feels like a party atmosphere and it's very, very electric. And those are some of the best memories that I have of working as a blogger uh, was how kind and attentive and loving the people at MTV were to me. So I can't look back at the last 40 years of MTV as an entity and not remember those times and not want to celebrate all of the wonderful memories that I've always had of MTV and the wonderful experiences that MTV, the network and the people who work for the network gave to me um, at one of the best times of my life. So, so yeah, I mean, honestly, this podcast episode is, is fairly lackluster. It's kind of like on, uh, there's not a lot of structure because I woke up and I was like, wow, it's the 40th anniversary of MTV. I want to celebrate MTV. I turn on MTV and there's nothing there. And, and the more I thought about that, it kind of bummed me out. But then I was like, well, let me at least Instagram it. So I posted on my Instagram, like some, some promos of, I want my MTV, like the, those classic promo videos. And I was just like, yeah, man, MTV was awesome. It will forever be awesome. Even if it never comes back and it never will, it never can be what it was. But even still, MTV is one of the greatest achievements in pop culture. Like, it's indescribable. If you weren't there, nothing that I'm ever going to say is going to convince you. Uh, but I hope that you'll believe me when I tell you it was pretty fucking cool. And if you were there and you 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 do remember and you're listening to this, I know, I know you're remembering uh, by what I'm telling you, you're remembering your own MTV memories when you got MTV for the first time, when you saw uh, special music videos for the first time, when you were exposed to a new artist because of MTV and MTV's influence. I know you're remembering hearing me talk. And that's why I wanted to dig out my equipment and and uh, record this podcast episode. Um, I, I just wanted to mark the occasion. And while I'm still trying to figure out what my podcasting future is going to be, um, I definitely know that I want to do something and I want to keep podcasting here on Pink is the New Podcast. Um, I loved producing Spooky Electric and I probably will still record a few more episodes or maybe I'll figure out a way to fold it into what I'm doing or what I want to do or what I decide to do with Pink is the, the New Podcast moving forward. Um, but I do know that the last couple of months, uh, hosting daily, uh, with Rachel True and the folks at Roddenberry Entertainment, the Quoting Gene Roddenberry podcast, I, I love it. I think I've gotten better at it. You'll be the, the judge of that. But, um, I think I've been able to hone my ability or at least, I don't know, the charm of what podcasting can be by, um, you know, jumping on the mic and talking about the things that are important to me or that move me uh, in the hopes that 
um, what I publish and put out means something to you and maybe moves you in some way, maybe helps you learn something about me or about pop culture or about yourself, like that is ultimately would be the goal for me. Um, one other thing, I, I recently was interviewed by an author. Uh, she is a writer at one of my favorite sites, and it's one of the big ones. She contacted me uh, because she's writing a book about um, blogging in the 2000s and the Hollywood it girls of the time. And she very kindly reached out to me and said, you know, the more I was doing my research, the more I realized I wanted to talk to someone uh, who blogged back then. And Pink is a New Blog is, is one of the sites that was important to me. And you as the writer are someone that I want to talk to and, and get their perspective from. So that conversation with her was really great. It was supposed to be a 20-minute conversation. It turned into like an hour and a half, obviously, because I can't stop talking. Um. And it really reminded me about a lot of, of really, really great memories uh, from, from that time. So I don't know. Pink is a new podcast. It's, it's something that I think there's value there. And I think it's something that can become something, if not great or big, it can be something fun. Fun for me and hopefully fun for you. And um, whether it becomes something like me, you know, telling stories from the blogging days, or it becomes something like me commenting on, you know, one big pop culture thing per week, or, you know, maybe, you know, infusing some of that weekly roundup pop culture news reporting that I did when I first launched Pink is New Podcast a couple years ago. Whatever it may be, um, it's going to become something. And um, I just felt inspired to, again, pull out my equipment, record an episode to mark the 40th anniversary of MTV because MTV uh, will forever be such an important thing in my life, uh, pop culture-wise and personally. So... That was the inspiration for this episode. And the very last thing that I want to leave you with. Um, so when I was heavy, heavy into producing Spooky Electric, my music podcast, um, I had a whole bunch of ideas lined up and they've all been put on hold because of, you know, me co-hosting the Star Trek podcast. I had planned an MTV episode. And I had created a playlist of my favorite songs that feel very MTV to me. And I've decided to convert that playlist from a spooky electric podcast to one of my own personal playlists. And I'm going to publish it on my Spotify account. So if you want to hear this pot, this playlist devoted to MTV, 40 Years of MTV is what I've titled it. Uh, you can find it on my Spotify account. At Trent Venegas is my username. Uh, and as a reminder, at Trent Venegas is my username on every single social media platform. So if you want to find me, that's how you find me. Uh, but this playlist is pretty cool. 
it has um uh i it, video killed the radio star which was the first music video played on mtv and you better run by pat benatar which was the second music video played on mtv and the first music video played by a solo artist and the first music video played by a woman a lot of people don't know that and there's some unplugged songs on here the theme song from daria which is a great great animated series that uh got its life on mtv um come clean and unwritten which by hillary duff and natasha benningfield those are the theme songs to laguna beach and the hills uh uh respectively um dear prudence is on there uh that susan the banshee's music video that i mentioned kind of changed my life and um other music videos songs for music videos that were very integral to to me as a young music fan uh, in the early days of MTV and beyond. So with that, I'm going to wrap this up and thank you for listening. Um, I don't know if any of you old school pink is a new bloggers, uh, or (laughs) old school now pink is a new podcast listeners will hear this, but hopefully if you're still subscribed, uh, Apple podcasts, Spotify, and all the other, um, podcasting platforms will alert you to the fact that this episode has been published. I'll shout it out on my social media accounts and hopefully you'll enjoy listening as much as I enjoyed recording. So yeah, I promise stay tuned. Pink is a new podcast will continue. Uh, but I still need to wrap up my hosting duties for quoting Gene Roddenberry. So until then, um, yeah, go, Watch MTV. Actually, don't go watch MTV. It might depress you because, like I said, it's going to be reruns of stuff you don't want to watch. But go listen to music and go find on YouTube or other places um, reminders of of how amazing MTV used to be. And let's celebrate 40 years of one of pop culture's greatest achievements, music television. And with that, I am out. Talk to you later. Bye. Turn it on. Leave it on. I want my MTV. You want your MTV. I want my MTV. I want my MTV.